your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, as I mentioned, we are turning to this issue of when a son or daughter is allowed to build a home on a family site that's been gifted to them, what can the fallout be and how can it be dealt with? If you've experience of this issue this morning, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us. Uh, we're joined by agri-solicitor Ashling Meehan and psychotherapist Judy Maloney to chat about this this morning. Good morning to you both. Morning, Gillian. Um, can I start first, Ashling? Is is this still a very common practice for parents to gift a site to a child? Yes, is it, it it generally is. Um, I deal with farmers and farm families all the time because I just specialise in in agriculture, and often I suppose you have one child who potentially would be the the nominated successor as the person is interested in puts up their hand and says, "Okay, I'm I'm willing to take over the farm," or they have been farming at home. And the parents tend to want to provide for the other family members will say that mightn't necessarily be interested in the farm. And typically they do this uh, by giving them a site. And that really would be in circumstances where the child would build a house on the family farm rather than giving them a site for the purposes of potentially selling it on. So the intention always is that they would build a house and that they would live on it. Uh, so it depends really on at what stage the family would be. Um, if you know the kids are grown up and settled and are living away from home and have their own houses, it t- doesn't tend to arise. But in circumstances where the children are of a certain age and have expressed an interest that they would like a site and like to build on on the family farm, well, then the parents generally try to oblige and try to make that happen. Judy, as I mentioned, we've had a, a number of listeners get in touch with us with very ish, various issues that they're experiencing, and I'll come to them shortly. But uh, mm-hmm. first of all, how do you set boundaries between yourself and be it your parents or your in-laws uh, if they've given you a site to build your home? How much influence and control is too much? Well, I suppose there's no black and white answer there, Gillian. You know, everyone is different and in terms of setting boundaries. We set our own because that's what we're comfortable with. So this is a tricky situation um, because, as Ashton said, I mean, it's obviously it's still a traditional thing to do in Ireland. Um, so it does happen quite a lot. And, and what happens is something Ashton said there as well. The parents will give the site with the intention that the kids will build on it and live there or whatever. Now, at the same time, you like that's their intention. But when you are actually there, you accept a site, you build a house, and you live there for various different reasons. Life changes, you know, and your partner or your husband or your wife mightn't want to live there anymore. So you do have to kind of be open to, I suppose, just the idea that when a gift is gifted, it's it transfers ownership, not just in legal terms, but when when you give something, you know that there's the first boundary. So if um, a parent gifts a child a site, that it's now the child owns it and they can do whatever they want with it and whatever they please with it to a point, right? So you have to always balance that in terms of boundaries. You have to balance your needs with what's respectful around you and not impeding on um, a relationship. So really, first of all, what needs to happen is there has to be a discussion made, an open discussion. If we'll say the child is is married or in a, in a long term relationship where they can see their partner is going to live with with them, they really need to have an open and honest discussion about is this a good idea? Because 
being given a site, I mean, it's like winning the lottery now these days because, you know, everything is so expensive, as we know. But at the same time, you do have to look and say, is this decision going to make my life easier or is it going to make my life harder in the long run? And start from there. There's your starting point, Julie. Ashling, legally, what should be put in place when a site is gifted to a family member to build a home? Uh, well, there's, there's two kind of outside factors that can influence it, and in that typically a child would be getting a mortgage um, on, you know, in order to build a house. And as part of that, the solicitor acting for the, the, the people getting the site would typically act for the bank in the mortgage, and they need to give what's called good marketable titles. So obviously, if the people default on the loan, that the bank can sell the house, I suppose, and, and, and get back their get back their money. So. So the solicitor, I suppose, needs to give, as I said, good marketable title. They need to satisfy themselves. And also as part of the planning process, the planning authority needs to be satisfied. I suppose the site is suitable, that the site is big enough, that it is, you know, adequate septic tank percolation area, etc. So those things are normally the boxes are ticked, for want of a better phrase. But what can happen in a family situation is, say, for example... The site, as as submitted for planning permission, say it's a half acre or three quarters of an acre and all the boxes are ticked and it goes through and they get planning. But then the, a brother or sister might be farming on adjoining land and they might say, oh, well, sure, just we'll mark off the site a bit smaller so you don't need all that land and sure, I can be farming away the, the, we'll say the majority of the site and I leave a bit of a lawn in front of the house and, and etc. So, so that can work away fine because it means means or to cut etc and they can farm the bigger area of the site but I suppose down the road then if there's an issue we'll say if the house is to be sold that's when it becomes an issue because it's, it, the site is marked out and the ground might necessarily come, come mirror what was looked for and what was granted in terms of planning so that then there might be an issue as regards the boundary that the boundary fence might need to change that maybe there might need to be easements reserved in order to access water. You know, maybe there might have been a well that was servicing the farm and also servicing the new house so that an easement in order to access that water supply in order to carry out repairs and maintenance, etc., uh, will need to be put in. Um, so, so they're the kind of issues. And access is another one that can arise because if there's shared access into a farm and maybe into the site, that then, like, who's going to own the laneway, who's going to own the access and who's given a right away. So those kind of things, you know, I, I suppose when I'm acting for a landowner, I'd address all these issues. Um, but what ever, can happen Ashley, between families can be different. Yeah. Yes, sorry. Do you ever get a, a sense that they're assuming everything's going to be perfect? That, you know, their son or daughter's relationship will last forever. Their son or daughter will always want to keep the the home within the family and won't ever want to sell and move on. And so things like access won't be a problem. Obviously, it's sold to strangers. Access becomes very, very different. Yeah, no, I agree. And like the vast majority of times it does work out in my experience. Um, you know, that the, the, the intentions that, you know, I suppose, especially on farms, kids have kind of a romantic notion of farming and living in the countryside and they want to try and recreate that if they have their own family so that they like living near the family farm, they like living near family, grandparents, etc. And naturally enough, it can be very helpful in terms of, you know, raising kids and childcare and collecting and dropping from school, etc. So the vast majority of times it does work out well. But as you said, of course, there's circumstance where circumstances can change um, and if people need to move away. And again, you know, issues... 
not, mightn't arise, um, but it's just in those, situ- you know, in situations where I suppose it's more of the emotional side of it, where, you know, it can be fraught with emotion. And, and that's where then it can cause these issues where if things hadn't been done, we'll say, if there was an understanding there, etc. But legally, they they're, they're generally are fairly clear and it's fairly, you know, it, you know, generally the house can be sold and that there isn't legal issues associated with it. Because of those two other factors I mentioned at the outset, because there is a mortgage and because the solicitor has to give good marketable title and because of the planning issues. Um, so, as I said, you know, the vast majority of cases, there isn't an issue, but there is, this, there is an, odd, an odd situation where which can give rise to those issues, like all. Yeah, yeah, like all situations. I I just want to bring some of these stories that our listeners have shared with us about their own situations and, and get your thoughts on them. Um, Judy, I'll ask you about this one. Mm-hmm. A, a listener says, as soon as they moved into the newly built house on her partner's parents' property, her mother-in-law inquired as to when they'd finished painting the house, um, the outside of the house. She felt it was a reflection on her if the neighbours saw her son's home not finished. She then planted flowers in their garden without them a- asking them. She gifted them a lawnmower for Christmas without asking and seems preoccupied with how their house looks. The listener is mm-hmm. concerned about what's going to happen when they have their first child. Yes, red flags going there, isn't there? Brilliant. Huge. Uh, yeah, alarm bells ring. I'd, I'd be delighted <laughs> if somebody planted flowers in my garden, well, but sure, look, I know not everybody would feel the same. Exactly, and this, that's exactly what I'm saying, Jenny. You know, you you could be delighted, going, oh my God, that's great, and oh my God, a more brilliant, or you could take it as, you know, that agenda, the message underneath the surface. So, I suppose, oh God, like this is exactly what I was talking about. This woman see, still clearly thinks the mother-in-law will say, still clearly thinks that this house and this site is an extension of her, a representation of her. And I would imagine if she views the house and the site like that, she views her son like that. So therefore, there's definitely, there's a there's a control element here that she wants to control it because she sees it's part of her. So this woman does not have clear boundaries in terms of what's hers and what's not. So this is what I mean. If, if you know, the woman saw those, and sometimes you won't see those red flags, but a lot of the time they'll be there. You do need to flesh those out before you accept it. But we'll say it's too late and it's done and you're there. The, what, what needs to happen is you need to, we'll say for this woman, right, she needs to sit down and have a discussion with her partner, a real honest, open discussion of what she accepts, what's acceptable and what's not, what she can cope with, what is okay. And and it, there needs to be a little bit of you know leeway and compromise at the end of the day. They're not only family but they're neighbours. Yeah, you know. So like this is the thing. They're in really close proximity. You need to be able to, for your own sake, have you know get on, have an amicable relationship, but also be very very clear that your family is your own, your house is your own. I have another you one know. here for you, Judy. Uh, a mm-hmm. listener who says the interference by parents in this listener's life had to be accepted, or the relationship between him and his girlfriend would end. He says he can't see how that can change and he's interested in your thoughts on it. He says, I love her, but I have to love Mm. her mother also, even though I can't bear the mother's continued interference and control on my girlfriend's life. And when I resisted in the past, it's been thrown back at me that I should be grateful because her parents provided uh, them with a home. I feel like a failure at times and I didn't have the money to, to provide it in the first place. Yeah, that's really, really tough. I really feel for that listener because, like, it kind of, what what I'd say with all of these things, you have to be on the same page as your partner. 
first and foremost, you have to be on the same page. You're not going to agree on everything. Nobody agrees on absolutely everything. But on the main points on, on what you consider are the deal breakers. So if you don't have that with your fam- with your partner, you're at a losing battle, really. You're at a losing battle because if, if she's backing up her family and her parents all the time, then there's just it's basically him against, in, you know, in a psychological sense, against his partner and her family. So that's not going to bode well at all. If it's going to work and you're going to have to, you know, I suppose, live your own life independently, you do need to be on the same page as a partner. If you're, if, if you're not, I, I really, really urge them to go and talk to somebody, the two of them, you know, maybe couples counselling or something like that, because that is not going to get better. You know, absolutely not. I'll give this next one to you, Ashling. Um, this listener says the mother-in-law's no concept. The mother's—it's always the mother's-in-law. Mm. Um, uh, the mother-in-law's no concept of us both working full-time jobs and navigating things with our three-year-old son. We've now taken him out of her, day, her daycare two days a week while we work in order to create distance. Even though we've to pay for him to be minded now two days a week, she can pop into the house that we paid for. Yes, we got the site, but we paid and still pay for a huge mortgage. And I can't say anything, but she. Under- reminds me all the time in our home, particularly relating to decisions around our son. Now, actually, the reason I'm asking you that, because legally, is there anything somebody can do if the parent-in-law, whether it be the mother-in-law or the father-in-law, um, just walks into your house on a regular basis, um, just assuming they can do because they paid for the site sure it's my ha- house as much as yours? Oh, it's a, a difficult one. Um, I suppose, like you only resort to legal means as the, as the last resort. Um, so, you know, I think it, it's probably to try and approach it from with the softer skills and the communication and trying to talk it out. And um, as Judy was saying, to try to set boundaries um, in terms of legally and trying to. I suppose it's really around getting barring orders, but that would be in circumstances where. People, you know, I suppose fear for their safety and um, otherwise, I suppose, you know, certainly in order to, to go down that route, the mother-in-law would have to be aware that she's not welcome into the house. And I suppose formally she would have to be notified of that fact, which, you know, certainly wouldn't be advising one of my clients to go down that route if possible, if they could try and resolve it by, by other means. Um, because as, as Judy, you know, alluded to earlier, they, ha- they are neighbours as well at the end of the day. Um, so I, I I appreciate it's not it's far from ideal the setup at the moment where and it, and it does happen where um, people can arrive uninvited and unannounced. Um, but certainly I think it's it's you know a couple of warnings verbal and then potentially follow up in writing and then you'd have to at that point look at maybe resorting to legal means. But as as a matter of last resort. Okay, well, we'll leave it there for this morning. It's maybe a topic we might come back to at another stage because a lot of questions around it and a lot of people interested in it as well. But for this morning, our thanks to psychotherapist Judy Maloney and to agri-solicitor Ashling Meehan. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash.